Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians 5, the Minnesota Twins 3. Another walk-off win for your Cleveland Guardians. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. Hey, before we get into it, before we get into the storylines, occasionally I mention this. If you are enjoying the show, please help it grow by leaving a rating and review on whatever app you are listening on, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. We are a full five-star rated show so far on Apple Podcasts, which is great. Let's keep the momentum going. Help other people find the show by leaving a rating and review. It'll take you two seconds after listening to the episode to click that five-star rating. So help the show grow. We really appreciate it here. So let's get into the storylines of the game. Man, this was a good one. This was a weird one. This whole series was weird. I mean, yes, it was a good one. The ending was fantastic, right? Guardians Twitter was ablaze after this ending. But it was a weird game, right? The Guardians manage three hits. They draw 10 walks. And they're hit by pitch twice in the game. So basically 12 free passes to three hits. That's a weird game. That's a really, really weird game. And uh, they load the bases up on free passes multiple times in this game. They get runs out of it, but it's not pretty. It ain't pretty until Andres Jimenez hits a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning. That was the only pretty moment of this game. Maybe a couple of Shane Bieber sliders in there were pretty pretty. Um, Yeah, what a bizarre freaking game. And so let's get into it. I mean, the sto- it kicks off really. Oh, God, we just got to go through all these walks. We have to. I mean, multiple times in this game, they set us up with walks. In the second inning, they load the bases on walks. In the fourth inning, they get runners on. They get two runners on back-to-back walks from Straw and Quan uh, before Rosario grounds out to end that threat. Uh, in the sixth inning, okay, it's not two walks, but a fielding error, and then a walk puts two guys on. So uh, they can't get any runs out of that situation. They strike out the side in the seventh inning, but then in the eighth inning, here we go again. We get a hit by pitch in two walks that loads the bases again. And then in the ninth inning, it's a walk that sets up the eventual winning run. Technically, Technically, Jose Ramirez drawing that walk was the winning run. Uh, Andres Jimenez was the bonus run on the two-run home run. So in that second inning, they load the bases up. They start by walking our last three hitters in the lineup. Archer, after getting two outs in the inning, he just struck out Andres Jimenez. In an Owen Miller ground out, he walks Palacios, walks Sandy Leon, and walks Miles Straw, which brings up Stephen Quant. And if there's anybody to keep a uh, a walk streak going, uh, I have no fa- I have all the faith in the world in Stephen Kwan that he's going to keep that going. So he walks Palacios on six pitches uh, with a slider in the dirt. Eventually, walks Sandy Leone on six pitches. Eventually, with a slider in the dirt. I mean, these aren't even close. Walks Miles Straw on six pitches. This time, it's a four seam fastball that he misses up and out of the zone. 
by the way, he's ahead in these some of these counts. He's ahead one and two on uh, Straw, on uh, Sandy Leone. Now nah, he was behind in the count on Sandy Leone. On Richie Palacios, he was behind in the count on Palacios. That brings up Stephen Kwan, and he works a six-pitch walk with the last pitch being a slider that uh, just sits outside. And it's classic Stephen Kwan. I mean, Stephen Kwan, I wouldn't say he really pimps a walk like a guy would pimp a home run, but he definitely has a signature bat flip, right? He does that too, and he puts his hand on the uh, nub of the bat and flips it back to the dugout. When they do, when they, you know, write the next MLB The Show, MLB The Show 2023, they will include Stephen Kwan's signature bat flip in there. I'm I'm so sure of that. It's such the guy just is a get on base machine. So he works a six pitch walk. Now that brings up Ahmed Rosario, and this got us frustrated. This had me frustrated. I tweeted out the uh, the Statcast images of this because you got to see where these sliders are located. So Archer starts starts him off with a fastball up and in that he misses with ball one. Now remember, he just walked a run in. He just walked in the first run of the game by walking Quan four in a row. So what does Ahmed Rosario do? He chases a slider down and away, and Ahmed Rosario sucks at balls down and away. He chases this one is in the strike zone. It's in the lower outside quadrant of the strike zone, just sitting right there in that quadrant, and he chops it to uh, third baseman Giovanni Urshela, who goes and gets the force at second. Not a good swing, not a hard hit ball, 81.9 miles per hour, 14-degree launch angle, just drills it right into the ground. All right, that sucks. Fast forward to the fourth inning, and here comes Ahmed Rosario again. After Straw draws a four-pitch walk, cannot find a fastball over the plate, four pitches. After Quan draws a five-pitch walk, can't find a slider over the plate, except for the second pitch they have bat. Then misses with three straight off-speed pitches. And then it comes Ahmed Rosario's turn. He takes a slider on the plate for strike one. Then, guess what? A slider down and away, this time off the plate. Not even in the sh- not even on the edge of the plate. Not even on the shadow of the plate. This was off the plate. And he chops it to Carlos Correa to ground out to end the threat. So twice in a row, Ahmed Rosario is getting up there, and he's he's ending a rally. He's killing a rally. Uh, so we fast forward now to the eighth inning. We're down 3-1. Bieber gives up all three runs on one hit. We will get to it. But the eighth inning, and this is where the fun starts. Now, I made the joke on Twitter. You've heard of the, the true outcomes in baseball, right? There's three true outcomes in baseball. Take the fielders out of the equation. It's the between the batter and the hitter. There's three true outcomes. It's strikeout, a walk, or a home run. Those are the three true outcomes. Well, it seems that when uh, Andres Jimenez is up to the plate, there's two true outcomes. You either hit Andres Jimenez or Andres Jimenez hits you. And that's exactly what happens in the eighth and ninth inning here. With one out after an Owen Miller lineout, by the way, while I'm thinking of it, because we never think of defense, Owen Miller caught a line drive at second base, I think in this second inning. Unbelievable. Unbelievable leaping catch. I th- yeah, I think it was off Kirilov to start the second inning. 101.5 miles per hour, had a 930 expected batting average, and Owen Miller gets up and catches it. 
fantastic catch. I would have never remembered that later in the podcast, so I said his name. I'm saying it right now so we can all give him a little bit of credit for his defense at first base on the day. He usually he sucks at all the first base stuff of first base, but if you ask him to just feel the ball, it's usually pretty good. All right, so Andres Jimenez has been hit three times in this series now, and he takes one uh, in the hip, and the, that kicks off the rally here in the eighth inning. So once again, uh, it's Andres Jimenez. Uh, I can't believe they hit him this many times in the in the series, and there wasn't even any retaliation. It's the second pitch of the at-bat. It's a fastball from Thornburg right in the hip. So Fermil Reyes then comes up. He draws a five-pitch walk. They were trying to stay outside on him. Well, they did a pretty good job of that. Uh, finally, they come back with a changeup that almost is in his hip pocket, and they put him on. Now we got two runners on and one out. Sandy Leone comes up. No pinch hit for the old-time catcher Sandy Leone. He throws them all fastballs, the right-handed pitcher to the left-handed batter, throws them all fastballs, and hits the first one, and then misses with the next four straight. Uh, so uh, hits the strike zone with the first one and misses with the next four straight. So he works a five-pitch walk. That brings up Miles Straw now with the bases loaded. He actually swings aggressively at the first pitch. Miles, this is at the top of the strike zone. It's ain't a good one to swing yet. Eventually, he works it to a 2-2 count, and then he gets a fastball at the bottom of the zone, right at the knees. Yeah, he's got to protect this on a 2-2 count. And he ends up shooting it towards the gap between short and third. Correa makes a diving stop on this thing. His only play is to go to third base. So the Guardians are going to get a run here with one out. But like they've been doing all series. Remember, they pulled the infield in. And so instead of giving up earlier in the series, they pulled the infield in. So instead of giving up one run and making it out, they give up two runs. Uh, later in this series, there was a play where they make an error where they throw it away at first base. Instead of letting one run come in, they end up letting two runs come in to score. Well, here you go. Another error from the Twins that instead of letting one run come in to score, they let two runs come in to score and tie the game up. Correa throws it wildly to third base. Uh, Fermil Reyes is a big moving target there, uh, char- you know, coming down on the bag, coming down on Urshela. So Correa throws it away. And for Meal Reyes is able to scamper home and score. We've we've talked about this in past. We haven't talked about this in so long. Fran Wheels Reyes, when he needs to get between bases, when he's got to go 90 feet, he can turn on the afterburners. He's got enough juice if you need him to make 90 feet. And that's exactly what he does here. He scampers home and scores the game-tying run. Now, oh, God. Uh, after that, that would bring up Stephen Kwan. Uh, he would unfortunately hit into a fielder's choice. He would ground out to first base. Pinch running, Ernie Clement would get himself caught in a rundown, which allowed Kwan to get up to second base. So still have runners on second and third. Now with two outs, and Ahmed Rosario would pop out in foul territory. Uh, this one was a slider that was right down the middle of the plate, so I can't really blame him for swinging at this one. But he does pop out uh, to end the threat. So it's a 3-3 game. They leave Thornburg in. Now, we've been just beating up the Twins' bullpen. So I I wonder if there were some guys that were just unavailable on the day. It's been a lot of innings over the last you know few days to get these five games in. 
And uh, Thornburg is a guy that's bounced around a lot, signed some minor league deals. Uh, man, pitched with the Braves earlier uh, on a non-guaranteed major league contract. He made the opening day roster, but he was designated for assignment on the 23rd, released on the 28th. The Twins pick him up on June 6th. After two appearances in minor leagues, he's promoted to the major league team on June 12th. So that's who Thornburg is, and they decided to leave him in there for two innings. So kick off that ninth inning now. It's a tied game. Class A, we will get to the bullpen for the Guardians because it was fantastic. Ramirez works a first uh, a four-pitch walk. Thornburg doesn't even come close to the strike zone uh, against Jose Ramirez here. That would bring up Naylor. He would ground out to second base, but it would move Jose Ramirez up to uh, second. The command gets a much better against Josh Naylor here. In fact, he's just pounding the inside part of the plate. It's a seven-pitch at-bat. In fact, one of these, a couple of these, Naylor absolutely destroys a ball, hits it into the upper deck of the right field bar. If you know the bar, the corner bar in right field, it's got a cool roof patio on top. He puts it on top. That is a monster foul ball. That could have been a walk-off home run. Instead, he grounds out. That brings up Owen Miller. He flies out to center field on the first pitch, and that brings up Andres Jimenez, who works the count here. He really does work the count. He's mixing fastball and curveball. He uh, he misses with a curveball in the dirt. In fact, after going up 0-2, he gets a called strike curveball. He gets a foul ball with a four-seam fastball that was middle away. Then he misses with two fastballs away. He misses with a curveball in the dirt. And he comes back with another fastball away, a pitch he's seen multiple times now in this at-bat. This one is up and away, but it's in the strike zone. It's just left of center. It's just below the letters. And he turns on it 104.6 miles per hour. 411 feet to dead center field. It's a walk-off home run. Hits those seats right in front of the Guardians' bullpen. It's a walk-off home run for Andres Jimenez, and it is a party once again at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. I can't believe they did it twice to the Twins. Walk-off home runs on back-to-back days. Within you know within a 24-hour period, within a 12-hour period. It was the night before and then the day game. Uh, within a 24-hour period, two walk-off home runs uh, by your Cleveland Guardians. It was absolutely fantastic. I don't believe there was any headbutting from Andres Jimenez in his celebration. Uh, he did do the go-to-sleep as he was coming home, rounding third and coming home to his teammates. And uh, yeah, Andres Jimenez, who should be an all-star this year. I The first round of voting has ended, so he's not going to be the starter. But he definitely definitely deserves to be added to the all-star team. I was talking to my brother about this. Uh, yeah, Ramirez, Jimenez, and uh, Classe. Classe, definitely all three of them deserve to be on the all-star team this year. I know it gets a little tricky with bullpen arms when you're trying to fit a player from every team on there. Uh, so we'll see. It, it's a mystery if a bullpen guy is ever going to make an all-star team. Uh, so we'll see if Jimenez and... Uh, and Classe can join him, uh, join uh, Jose Ramirez on the All-Star team this year. All right, uh, so let's get into the other storylines of this game, because uh, I could just sit here and keep telling you that Andres Jimenez is fantastic, 
but I feel like there's a few more details in this game we've got to go over. So uh, the pitching, the pitching side of it, Bieber was very good on the day. One, literally one bad at bat, one bad pitch, and it uh, it really makes him get the no decision on the day. It, it makes it look like a worse day than it really was. He goes six innings, gives up five hits, only three earned runs, so it's a quality start. Uh, two walks, five strikeouts on 99 pitches. He only is hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. So that's a, that's a fair start from Shane Bieber. What was working for him on the day? Heading over to the illustrator here. Man, he threw the slider was really working for him. He was throwing it four strikes and then burying it on the outside edge. I mean, hitting the edge, really painting that, that outside edge, his glove side edge. And then, of course, bearing some below the strike zone. He was actually very aggressive on the day. Aggressive with his fastball, which was up the entire day. Uh, and then aggressive with the curveball. He even threw in the curveball a lot for strikes on the day. So it's interesting from Shane Bieber here. Let's see uh, where those strikeouts were located. What pitch was he getting those strikeouts on? I'm guessing from uh, watching the highlights, it's going to be a lot of sliders. Yeah. I've got three sliders clustered down below the strike zone that they all chased. Uh, I got one slider uh, to Celestino that's actually up in the strike zone that he chases. And I've got Miranda in the first inning who chases a fastball on an 0-2 count to strike out in the first inning. And so that was what Bieber was getting the strikeouts on. We're going to get to Miranda in a second here. I just want to go over the CSW numbers for Bieber because uh, it was pretty good. That slider, he had a 40% whiff rate on that slider. 10 whiffs on 25 swings, plus 9 called strikes. It's good for a 39% CSW on that slider. Called strikes plus whiffs. He was really, really doing a good job. They did put 8 in play, but had an average exit velocity of 85.5. Uh, he was getting a lot of called strikes on the four-seam fastball, although when they were swinging, they were hitting it hard. Average 94.6 mile per hour exit velocity. They didn't put one knuckle curve in play. Uh, it didn't have a huge CSW numbers, but they didn't put one in play. And uh, his total CSW on the day was 35%. That's a really, really solid start. Uh, I know you're always curious about the pitch velocity for that four-seam fastball. It was slightly higher uh, than his yearly average would have been 90.8. He was up at 91.3 is what he averaged with his fastball. Maxed out at 92.3. So not a huge difference there, um, but a little bit faster than his yearly average. Uh, if he can get back up, man, if he can get that velocity back again, I don't know if it's a shoulder thing or a mechanics thing or a legs thing, you know. Who knows? Maybe the guy just does squats like crazy during the offseason and lunges, and suddenly he's got another mile per hour on that fastball. The legs play a huge part in that. Uh, so those were his CSW numbers. All right, let's talk about these Miranda at-bats because you'll see the mistake that Bieber makes in the um, – when does Miranda come up again? When does he get this RBI hit? Uh, he gets it in the third inning. So it's the first inning to the third inning. By the way, this whole thing is set up by a couple of hits. Luis arrives with a single. Uh, Carlos Correa then with a two-out single. And then he walks Max Kepler to load the bases, which brings up Miranda again in the third inning. So 
in the first inning, the initial matchup between Miranda and Shane Bieber uh, blows him away at the top of the strike zone with four-seam fastballs. Actually, really interesting that he just stays up here against Miranda. I'm telling you, all three of these are right at the top of the strike zone, and Miranda can't catch up to any of them. The first one is a called strike at the top of the strike zone. These are all 91. And the next ones are just under 92 miles per hour, so he is putting a little heat behind him for him. Uh, the next one is at the top of the strike zone on the top arm side edge for Shane Bieber. Jams him in there, and he gets a swinging strike. The next one is at the top of the strike zone on the outside edge this time, on the glove side, and he gets a swinging strike. So he keeps all three of these fastballs up in Miranda's armpit, and he gets swinging strikes. Okay, the next time Miranda comes up, this time with the bases loaded, he starts him out with a first pitch slider. All right, I like it. That's pretty nasty. You just threw this guy three fastballs up at the top of the zone. You blew him away, so what do you start with? You start with a nice slow slider that drops in right at the knees. This one would have been called a strike, but he swings through it uh, to start him out 0-1. Then he tries to go back up to the top of the zone with the fastball. The only problem, he doesn't get this one up there. Those other ones were at the letters or above. This one is right at the belly. This one is below the letters, above the belt, the upper outside zone of the strike zone, and he does what you're supposed to do with an outside fastball. He drives it the opposite way, drives it into right field, 104.1 mile per hour exit velocity, all the way to the wall, and it brings in all three runs to score. One bad pitch from Shane Bieber allows all three runs to score. So you take, I mean, you, you can't take it out of the equation. But it's a very good day for Shane Bieber aside from this one pitch, right? Aside from this third inning, he's absolutely dominant for the rest of the game. Puts up zeros on the board after this for the next three innings. And then the bullpen comes in and just kept Cleveland in the game. Trevor Steffen with a great seventh inning. Gives up a hit, but nothing else. Brian Shaw with a clean eighth inning. That's right, Brian Shaw. He does have good days mixed in there between all those horrible days. Uh, so down in a 3-1 situation, they go to Shaw. Uh, frankly, they're probably running out of bullpen arms as well with those five games in four days. So Shaw gets a strikeout and gives up nothing on 12 pitches. Very efficient. And then in the ninth inning, in the top of the ninth, with a tie game now, he goes to Emmanuel Classe really wants to keep this thing a tie game and give himself a chance to win in the ninth inning. And Classe uh, does give up a hit, but gets a strikeout on 10 pitches. He, of course, shuts down the ninth inning. He has been fantastic. His ERA is down to 1.35. Yeah, definitely deserves to be an all-star. So that sets the Guardians up. The bullpen and Shane Bieber just absolutely throwing shutout inning after shutout inning on the board. The Twins offense has no life after this, and the Guardians finally in the 8th and ninth inning get their chance to rally back and win this thing. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. It's incredible. Like I said, it's incredible that they got 12 free passes, including the two-hit batters, and only three hits. I mean, they didn't even get three RBI hits. Quan walks. Uh... Quan walks to uh, bring in that run in the second inning. So they don't even get a hit for that one. 
two RBI hits late in the game. That's it. I mean, just absolutely weird stuff. The other hit, the third hit came uh, in the first inning. Jose Ramirez had singled with two outs. That was the first hit of the game. And then the Guardians don't get another hit until Straw has the bases loaded in that eighth inning. It's a weird game. It's bizarre. The game of baseball is so freaking weird sometimes. So I hope you stuck with it, or I hope you were in a situation where uh, you got out of work and turned the game on and was just in time for that eighth inning. Uh, So, yeah, the Guardians, they're now one game back uh, of the Minnesota Twins in the American League Central. By the way, if you're wondering, I'm gonna always going to do the research for you on things like this. If you're wondering who has the record for the most walks in a nine-inning game, uh, that would actually be, well, the pitcher, this is incredible. So the pitcher was Bruno Haas in 1915, June 23rd of 1915. There were some guys in 1887 that did this, but this is the one in the modern era, you know, we'll say from 1901. Uh, on would be the modern era. Uh, 1915, Bruno Haas was a rookie, pitching his, making his debut start for the Philadelphia Athletics against the New York Yankees, and he threw up 16 walks in a complete game loss. In a complete game loss. They let him go nine innings as in his major league debut. He only pitched one season. He only made six appearances in his major league career uh, for the Philadelphia Athletics. He, they let him go nine innings. He gives up 13 hits, 15 runs, only eight earned, 16 walks to four strikeouts. Uh, my God, do they have the whip? No, they don't have the whip here. Uh, I'd love to see how high that number is, giving up 13 hits and 16 walks walks to the New York Yankees. He takes the loss 7-15 to in that complete game start to kick off his career. He would never pitch. Uh, he would finish a few games. He would pitch in relief uh, kind of for the rest of his career. Uh, it would not be a very long career. Uh, but but Bruno Haas, the big, uh, oh, he's a pitcher and a left fielder. Uh, the big left... No, he wasn't a big lefty. He was 5'10", 180. His picture, he looks pretty bulky, but he was only 5'10", 180. But the lefty for the short-lived pitching career, uh, yeah, he uh, he did not fare very well, and he has the record, the modern record, for the most walks in a game. And I guess the New York Yankees then have the record for the most walks drawn in a game. Uh, maybe. I... I guess, yeah, maybe the team, this isn't necessarily the team number. So another team out there may have drawn more walks in a game. This is the pitcher side of things. Okay, here we go. Baseball Almanac is saving me on this one. So here are the team records for the most drawn walks in a game. So uh, apparently in 1887, whatever the AA League was in 1887, Louisville Against Cleveland, uh, were they the team? Yeah, the base on balls record. So I guess Louisville drew. Cleveland pitching gave up 19 walks in that game. Uh, In the modern era, the record would be 18. It would happen twice. 
Uh, Detroit drew 18 walks from the Philadelphia. I'm guessing the Athletics in 1916. And Cleveland did it versus Boston in 1948, the World Series year. So that would be the most drawn walks in a game would be 18. Uh, the most walks combined between the two teams would be uh, that Detroit against the Philadelphia Athletics. The Athletics also drew 12 walks in that game. So 30 walks total in that game uh, in 1916. So there you go. Those are your major league records. Uh, Yeah, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy stuff right there to draw that many walks in a game. You can see why it hasn't happened in a while. Most of these are pretty old, although... Most in an extra inning game, I do see a game here from 2004 and from 2013. So I guess it has happened. Uh, those games went 16 innings and 18 innings, and they got up there to 18 walks. So, uh, yeah. So that's some fun numbers from Baseball Almanac on the amount of walks drawn. And now you know who Bruno Haas is for the Philadelphia Athletics. A little bit of baseball history mixed in there. All right. The last thing I want to talk about. It feels like the Minnesota Twins and the Cleveland Guardians are just locked into this battle for the American League Central, right? They're just going back and forth. The Guardians, again, win the series three games to two in this five-game homestand against Minnesota. But it feels like these two teams are just battling back and forth for this American League Central. Frankly, I am worried about what it's going to look like when we do get into a playoffs and we have to tangle with the AL East. Uh, we have not fared well against the AL East. We are 5-8 and eight against the AL East so far in the season. The Twins are a little better at 11-9. and nine, But I just feel... Oof. I mean, the Yankees are 17-15 and 15 against the Central, which we're about to face. So we'll see if we can make a dent in that number. The Red Sox are 12-7 and seven against the Central. Toronto is only 10-9. and nine, And Tampa Bay is 6-9. and nine, So against the American League Central. So... We'll see once these playoffs roll around. I mean, uh, as of today, both Minnesota and Cleveland would be making the playoffs, along with Houston out of the AL West. Uh, they don't have a great record against the AL East, 6-8. and eight. So it really is going to be the AL East versus the world uh, when we get to the playoffs here. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we're going to have to face the big bad Yankees and the big bad Red Sox, and we're going to have to show up for those series. So... We did not show up for the Boston series. We got beat pretty good by Boston here on this homestand. Now we get the Yankees. It's a huge, huge freaking test. A huge test here for this weekend series. Uh, We got Garrett Cole going tonight against Aaron Savale. So, you know, this is a different Savale, a back from injury. Had some time in AAA to work on some things during his rehab. We'll see what we get going up against one of the highest paid pitchers in all of the American League. And he's pitching pretty good. He's 6-2 and two with a 2.99 ERA. That's a pretty good start to the season. So, yeah, we are going to have our hands full here. I just, I worry. I worry what the Guardians are going to do uh, once once they, if they do make the playoffs and they got to go up against the AL East, it's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, the thing, I'll tell you what's fun about the extended standings here. Uh... And some of the numbers on here, extra inning games. The Guardians are 7-2 in extra inning games. 14-9 and in one-run games. So they've had some really, really clutch wins. That's some fun numbers here from the advanced, the extended standings on MLB.com. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. 
Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final, winning the five-game series, three games to two. It's your Cleveland Guardians five, the Minnesota Twins three. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. Man, during these day games, I am tweeting like crazy, and I'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the five-game series against the Minnesota Twins. Your thoughts on the Yankees series coming up. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>